love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Welcome back to, but how though, and a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. It's still love month, and I really want to take this whole month to examine how we show up in our relationships with others. This week, I want to specifically talk about how we handle ourselves when other people are struggling, when we have to meet them in their difficulties. In the New Testament, in John 11, we read about the death of Lazarus, who is the brother of Mary and Martha, who are really good friends with Jesus. And Lazarus was sick. He must have been sick with something more frightening than a simple illness because Mary and Martha sent Jesus a message saying, hey, Lazarus, this guy you love, is sick. And it's recorded in John 11, verse 4, that Jesus said, he's not sick unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby, which is basically saying, The point of this sickness isn't death. The point of this sickness is to show the glory, the ability, the very power and love of team universe. Then in verse five, John makes it a point to say, Jesus loved this family. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. These are personal and beloved friends of Jesus. But after he heard Lazarus was sick and then declared the purpose of the sickness, Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Then he told his disciples they needed to go to Bethany and said, Lazarus is asleep and we need to wake him up. And the disciples were like, oh, good. If he's sleeping, that's good for him because he's sick and he probably needs the rest. And Jesus was all, no, Lazarus is dead. And then he mentions his purpose in waiting. Again, he told them essentially that Lazarus had to die so that he could teach them and everyone else to believe. So he's got a method to his madness, and he laid it out plainly enough that John wrote it twice within the first 15 verses. Jesus knew what he was doing, okay? So they start the few days trek to Bethany, and when they finally get there, Lazarus had been laying in the grave for four days. Mary and Martha were at home mourning, and a lot of people were at the house trying to comfort them. As soon as Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him while he was still on his way. And their interaction is in verses 21 through 27. It basically went like this. Lord, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But even though he's dead and has been for days, I know Team Universe can do anything. And Jesus was all, Martha, Lazarus will rise again. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day like everyone else. And Jesus was like, well, who do you think brings about the resurrection? I'm the resurrection, sis. Anyone who believes in me can rise from anything. Anything. Do you believe me? And she just basically bore her witness and said, yes, I believe you're the Christ or the Messiah, which is who the Jewish people had been waiting for to save them. The very son of God. And it all seems so uplifting and happy and not sad at all. That interaction is all about belief and hope and, well, comfort. Then she went and told Mary that Jesus was there and that he wanted to talk to her. So Mary left the house and went to Jesus and their interaction was very different. She came to him, fell at his feet and bawled, bawled. 
She said the same thing as Martha. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Well, John noted Jesus's reaction here. Jesus saw her crying and saw the others crying and he groaned in spirit and was troubled. The sadness, the grief, the despair. He felt it with them. He asked where they had laid Lazarus and the people said, come and see. Then in verse 35, we're given two very important words. Jesus wept. And some people saw it and were all, couldn't this dude who heals the sick and blind and crippled have saved Lazarus? That would have made all this sadness unnecessary. Not even he'd be sad because Lazarus wouldn't have died. Then none of us would need to be sad. And the rest of the story is pretty amazing. Jesus goes to the grave. He prays. He explains the prayer and the lesson again, and then calls Lazarus, who's been dead for days, to rise and come up out of the tomb, which he does. The story is instructive in a lot of ways, though. You can examine Martha's interaction with Jesus, how they talked about Lazarus rising again. No tears were mentioned, no big displays of emotion, just a quick lesson in faith and in understanding Jesus's role in giving us life. But then the interaction with Mary, Mary was upset. Mary was in pain. It's really important that we understand Jesus's reaction to her here because it's such a great example of how to handle grief. He didn't try to talk her out of her grief. He joined her in it. He knew Lazarus was going to wake up from death that day. He knew because he planned it that way. He wasn't sad about being separated from Lazarus. He was sad that Mary was sad. He participated in her grief. In our vernacular, that's called empathy. And it's a big buzzword for us in our society. Empathy is the ability to participate in another person's feelings or experience. And in relationships, it can make the difference between connection and disconnection. The reason this story is so powerful is because it shows how to meet a person where they are. But we don't always like to do that. We're pretty good with empathizing in some situations, like ones we've already experienced. But in other situations, we sometimes have a tendency, we sometimes have a tendency to resist empathy. Not because we're unfeeling, selfish jerks, but because feeling some feelings with someone makes us very uncomfy. We subconsciously believe that to comfort means to make whole or take the pain away. So we look for ways or words to try to take the pain away. That's very natural. With something smaller like the loss of a toy or a teen breakup, we may try to offer comfort by suggesting ways to make up for the loss, replace the lost toy, or find another meaningful relationship. But in a situation like death, that's outside our capabilities. Our comfort cannot make up for that loss. So what do we do? We tend to try to talk people out of their grief rather than meeting them in it. We want to ease their suffering by taking it away. But since we can't take it away, we'd like them to simply stop feeling it. <laughs> we become overwhelmed at the depth of the pain that another person is feeling. And since we can't solve it, we try to make them let it go. That's not empathy, though. In my church, one of the promises we make when we're baptized is that we'll mourn with those that mourn. It's a phrase most often used with another phrase, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. Those two promises kind of go together, and I think we accidentally twist the two of those ideas together, also thinking that comforting and trying to remove pain is the way 
to mourn with someone. But using this story with Jesus and Mary, clearly that's not true. Jesus wept. He cried. He didn't tell Mary, dry those tears, sis. Lazarus is on his way back. No, he cried with her. Comfort is separate from mourning. And if we are to truly connect with our fellow human beings, we got to understand how and when to use both. But how though? How do we learn to meet people where they are instead of trying to get them to where we are, especially with things like their feelings? Well, one way is to acknowledge the depth of the difficulty. Do not minimize it. Do not cheapen it. Resist the urge to try to make it smaller in order to dull the sharpness of the pain. A few years ago, my friend Stephanie's daughter died. She was young, like nine years old. She died from appendicitis. With our advances in medicine, people are literally saved from appendicitis every day. Think about that. Stephanie's daughter died in her arms from an illness that most people are saved from. She didn't get warning signs. She didn't get signals. She didn't get the cues that most people get that would have helped her get her baby to the hospital in time. She didn't know what she didn't know. Nobody did. And that little girl died. That isn't fair. That's just one of millions of unfair deaths, not to mention harms and suffering that don't cause death, but are still painful. If we really stop to think about all that pain, it is frightening and overwhelming and way beyond our abilities to alleviate. But I learned a lot about mourning from Stephanie because she spent time mourning her baby by honoring the feelings that she has. She acknowledged the depth of the difficulty. When she's mad, she's mad. She expresses it and she doesn't allow anyone to try to cheapen that. To minimize the pain would be like, trying to weaken the love she feels. She's mad because she loves her daughter. And if we try to take that away to any degree, it's like asking the mourner to love a little less so they can feel less pain. Well, no one is going to be comforted by that. They will bristle subconsciously because the pain and all its forms are bearing witness to their love. It's okay to say it's not fair. It's not morally wrong to acknowledge the injustice. It doesn't mean you don't love or trust team universe. They get it. Mary said to Jesus, dude, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And that was the truth. Jesus knew it. He'd already said that to his disciples and then said they needed to stay so the lesson could be learned. Well, guess what part of the lesson is? Pain, loss, which is included in the whole of love and fear and risk, which are included in the whole of trust. There's not only ease and comfort in healthy relationships. Healthy means whole. Healthy doesn't just mean happy. Another way to mourn with people is to change our language. Phrases like at least or one day or but you still have are well meant, but they are completely useless in a painful moment. Think about it. Oh, your mom died? My niece died recently and her family only got six years with her. Can you believe that? Oh, a child bearing a parent is at least natural. A parent bearing a child? So awful. We don't even have to say one pain is worse than the other. We imply it 
by comparing the two and presenting one kind of pain as more favorable than another kind of pain, which creates a false dichotomy by comparing their current situation to a different one. Sometimes we do that in order to show that theirs isn't as severe, maybe, maybe in the hopes that that perspective would change their level of pain, but it doesn't. It just disconnects them from us because we aren't actually removing their pain. We're trying to invalidate it. But if we resist the urge to look ahead at what the pain might be one day or look side to side at what someone else's pain is in comparison, we can just be in the moment with them. Telling the truth really helps. Like all pain is painful. It might sound something like this. A failed test. Ugh, I hate that feeling. It always makes me feel so small and so out of my depth because no matter how many experiences we quote nail, a single failure can make us feel insecure. It's so sucky. Or man, divorce is such a mess. A huge, painful and confusing mess. What is the very heaviest for you right now at this minute? Or death is such a ripoff. There's nothing fair about an involuntary goodbye. Nothing. Because you love them. So being without them is always going to feel wrong. Always. These phrases don't imply a solution because mourning with someone doesn't require a solution. It only requires participation. But because we want to comfort and give hope and take away pain, we often accompany those phrases with suggestions or comparisons to try to take the pain away. Another way to mourn with someone is to acknowledge our lack of knowledge. (laughs) We don't always know what to say or what to do, but we don't need to place that burden on the sufferer by saying, I'm just so sorry. What can I do? How can I help? Those are lovely sentiments. They really are. But when someone is suffering, we all too often place our own pain at their feet. And then they get the added burden of trying to comfort us even while they're mourning. Why should they have to come up with an idea of how you can help them? Could we shoulder some of that mental burden just by choosing something to do or a way to help? Not even ask, just do? I know that that gives us anxiety sometimes because what if I order them pizza and they hate pizza? What if I show up to clean their house and that really makes them feel uncomfortable? This is where it gets kind of tricky because we got to ask Team Universe for help with that and then accept that we may not do something perfectly. If you don't know what to say, say that. I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. I guessed that you might not have the energy to keep up with the house, so I'm here to do chores. And they may accept or reject that offering, but that's okay. No gesture is wasted. No thoughtful idea is wrong. And as we try and we just keep trying we will get better, even if we totally suck at it at first. Pain is part of the experience, and we are here for experience. We're not here to only have positive experiences or to prevent bad experiences from happening, so we don't actually got to resist the painful ones. We certainly don't have to pretend that they won't happen or they can't happen or they haven't happened because part of the connection we feel in our relationships is through shared experience, And empathy is one of those things that can deepen our connection because we don't all have to experience the same thing in order to participate in someone else's feelings. We can just meet them where they are. That's all I've got for this week. I'm Rachel Larson. Please join us again next week and we'll keep talking love and relationships and how we show up in them.
Team Universe is so here for love and relationships. They legitimately want us to build healthy, successful relationships because healthy relationships enrich our lives and help us become more of what we want. And becoming more of what we want takes us asking a lot of questions, especially, but how though? <laughs>